University of Missouri-St. Louis College of Education podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is David Stouffer and I get to be the recruitment coordinator for the UMSL College of Education. Each week on this podcast, we will meet an innovator in the field of education. We will spend some time getting to know them and learning about their work and how it can help you and yours. It is my sincere hope that this podcast will be a source of encouragement and support as you work to continue impacting lives as an educator. My guest today is Dr. Lindsay Athamana. Dr. Athamana has a doctorate in special education, and she's in her third year with us at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. She began her career as a speech-language pathologist, spending 10 years in Chicago. She began her graduate work at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and her post-doctorate work at Michigan State University and in Ireland. Welcome, Dr. Athamana. Thank you. Welcome. Or thank you for having me. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. <laughs> I appreciate you being here. You've done a lot of great things and you have a lot of varied experiences so far. Tell me a little bit about your work for UMSL. What do you do at the University of Missouri-St. Louis College of Ed? Sure. So besides uh, teaching my language and communications and CrossCAT classes that I have fully put online and um, work with, with uh, other students in special education, I have gotten the great awards of uh, University of Missouri Research Board Tier 3 uh, grant to start what we, uh, my colleague Rachel and I, uh, is called the UMSL Social Peers Program. And so what this program is, is that it builds community and awareness and inclusivity on on the UMSL campus. It is pairing UMSL undergrads and UMSL succeed students together to meet and socialize. So UMSL succeed is the post-secondary education program for individuals with intellectual intellectual and developmental disabilities. They can earn college credits, they live on campus, they can earn degrees, everything to prepare them for post-school life, just like you and me. And so we wanted to build a program that would infuse these um, ideas of inclusivity and community and community building at UMSL. Um, And so came up with the Social Peers Program. I had run it before in my postdoc work and it had some great impact on the participants without disabilities, the undergrads who worked or who participated in it. So I wanted to bring it here. And so I was able to do that um, with the money from the UM system tier three grant. And so we are just, we just wrapped up recruitment of undergrads from across the university and the succeed peers. And, um, I, Rachel and I, we did a lot of recruitment. We went to classrooms and talked about it. And, um, and then, the program itself is pairing up, like I said, undergrads with succeed students 
But the program is really focused a lot on the undergrads because unfortunately, as a previous speech language pathologist, I used to see this all the time in the public schools, is we would have our students with disabilities and our students without disabilities, they'd put them together in the classroom and say, good luck. They wouldn't do anything else. They wouldn't teach anybody anything. They wouldn't talk about how to socialize and how to be friends. and. And so that was always a really big issue I had um, with that situation. So this program specifically focuses on the undergrads and the undergrads without disabilities, because we really want to build future leaders in the community that will be able to go out and have and be able to be comfortable and be able to relate to people with disabilities and really apply that in their work and their social life. And so Besides socializing every week, they have to meet with each other for 30 minutes a week. We get to do monthly social events with the whole group and um, safely, of course. And then uh, the undergrads get a disability awareness training. Those trainings are happening this week um, where we talk more about what disability is, how to be a really good friend versus a mentor, or a, or a teacher, because we don't want that hierarchical relationship. We want it to be true friendship and just socialization and inclusivity. And so they get the trainings and then they get weekly um, check-ins by a peer coordinator to support them, answer any questions, talk to them about things, um, strategize on what to do on situations that might pop up. Um, and then they participate in focus groups, one a semester, to hear back from them, from the participants who are participating in this, um, how we're running the program, any suggestions, feedback, all that good information. And then, um, and then it goes for the full year. So it starts now and ends in May. And so we're really just trying to build that knowledge of people and build that um, understanding that we all would like friends, we all wanna be friends and we all should be able to work alongside one another uh, in the future as well, so. This sounds like a fantastic, fantastic program. I imagine it's one of those programs where the, the kids working with the su succeed kids are almost impacted more than the succeed kids themselves. Is that a fair statement? Um, it, it could be, we just don't have the data to show yeah. that. Um, but yes, the program that I ran at Michigan State, the students have it had a tremendous impact on their future careers and even helped some decide what they really wanted to do and move into more disability related fields. And um, and so that was really it was really nice to see that impact that was made. And so with the research study that I'm conducting on the program, because we still need literature in in the field, because we don't have enough, is I will be doing a mixed method um, research study with the undergrads. So they will participate in a survey and an interview before the program starts and a survey and an interview after the program starts, as well as collecting their focus group data and information. And then I take that and I look at it and I come up with the themes on what they're telling me and how this program is impacting me or impacting them. Um, and the one thing really nice about this study is 
fingers crossed, it'll be one of the first studies that actually talk to the succeed students. So you know how you said, oh, well, you would think it would make more impact. Well, we've never asked the participants with disabilities, how do they like being in programs like these? So I need to know that information. I want to make sure that these programs are really helping mm -hmm. everybody. And so this uh, study is set up to also then interview the succeed students to give their feedback on their anticipations of participating in a program like this. And then hopefully at the end, the impact it made on their lives as well. So are there uh, prerequisites for the students who want to be the social peers? Do they have to be in the college of education? Do they have just be an undergrad anywhere? Tell me a little bit about that. For sure. For sure. The undergrads themselves just have to be a registered undergrad at UMSL. So we have people that are, registered our college of ed students, we have social work students, we have psychology students, we I we talked to people in the business school and a variety of other um, universe or colleges within the university. So they just have to have they just have to be like a registered student mm -hmm. so that we can provide that support for the students themselves. And how many uh, students do you have currently uh, working as social peers? Fingers crossed, they're starting everything. And I think we might have just finished up recruiting another one, but we have 20 pairs this year. And that is the most we've ever had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was really, it was really surprising and really great because we didn't, a lot of the recruitment was just word of mouth mm -hmm. and sending out flyers and me just emailing faculty and talking in classes. And my colleague, Rachel Goldmeyer, who is um, a, works at Succeed helped me as well. She talked to other classes. We talked to, you know, different people on on campus, housing and residential life, and all that stuff. So that at least now we can have a really nice group of people. This these forty students that will be participating in this, and hopefully be able to be able to grow it in the future. That oh, people are starting to see, you know, oh those are the social peers. They're out and about. Like, mm -hmm. I'd like to know more about that. And I want to know, you know, what's happening. Mm -hmm. So hopefully then it's good recruitment for the future years. Absolutely. So how often will the pairs actually have interaction with each other? How will that work? And what will that look like? For sure. So they, um, they have to set up a time each week. So 30 minutes a week. So they can can do that via phone, via Zoom, in person, safely on campus or anywhere where they want to meet up. If they want to go shopping on a day, they can do that. If they're morning people, they can get, they can meet at eight o'clock on a Monday at the Nash for coffee. Or if they want to just talk at 11 o'clock on Thursdays, that's what they, that's what they can. We just ask that they chat and socialize for 30 minutes a week. And then the social, uh, the monthly social events, will be organized or decided upon by the participants themselves. So they'll be organized into teams of the undergrads and their, and their peers. And then they come up with what they want to do that month. Um, if it's something on UMSL's campus, like go to a baseball game or a basketball game or something, or um, another activity that's on campus, or if they want to go out into the community, go bowling, or I don't, I don't know what college kids do now. So that's that's why we're asking them. <laughs> so <laughs> we found that that has higher attendance rates then when they pick it. Uh -huh. um, 
Yeah. So, and then we'll help them set it up. Well, we have funding from the grant to be able to provide for some of the activities and excursions. So you've also uh, been awarded an UMSL and College of Education Research Award. Tell me a little bit about that. For sure. So again, my other line of work. (laughs) So that line of work works on peer mentoring, socialization and building friendships. Um, between people with and without disabilities. And my other line, other research line, um, lends itself to building employer capacity on hiring and working with people with autism spectrum disorder. So I was awarded the UMSL Research Award as well as the COE Special Research Award um, last year. And this is helping me to work with my colleague who is back in Ireland. Uh, They've run the study a little bit there, or the survey, and we're going to run it again here, Um, a statewide employer survey looking at the perspectives of employers in the state on hiring and working with people with autism spectrum disorder. You know, do they have people with uh, ASD, you know, with autism at their workplace? What do they feel about that? How do they, you know, do this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because I really want to take that information. I want to expand it eventually in the future to look at different and other states, neighboring states, Kansas, Arkansas, Illinois, um, Iowa, and then Tennessee, Kentucky. I think I hit all of them that we touch. <laughs> that positive. Um, but eventually would like to really look at a national perspective of employers because we have a real problem with We get all our students ready with autism and with intellectual disabilities in the high school. We prepare them. We do work study and we do, you know, work-based learning. We're ready and we're ready and we want to go and they want to get a job. But then all of a sudden the unemployment numbers are skyrocketed for people specifically with autism and intellectual disability. So we prep them and then they don't get the jobs. And so what is the disconnect there? And so what I'm looking at is I'm looking at potentially the employers. There there could be something with employers misunderstanding, having a different perspective, having those negative connotations with people with disabilities at the workforce. And so I want to find out what do you guys believe? What do you guys understand? What do you guys know? And then hopefully turn it into building employer capacity through a disability awareness training, working with their HR department so that they can become more um, impactful and, and more willing to hire people with disabilities so that in theory, fingers crossed, that unemployment rate for people with disabilities, autism and intellectual disabilities goes down because then they are getting the jobs and then they're maintaining them and they're working there. So, um, yeah, so that's a long yeah. career, yeah. A career goal. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in terms of the the survey and the information you're getting and generating, are you reaching out to employers? Are you reaching out to schools? Are you reaching out to parents or all of the above? For sure. We are going to start um, aggregating a list of employers in the state of Missouri from public records and local chambers of commerce. I'm going to be reaching out to them and emailing them for their member list and seeing if I can get it. Um, And then just reaching out to employers through email, maybe a call if necessary, 
to see if they would fill out the survey. Um, and the money from the grant has allowed me to be able to give out gift cards for them to participate as kind of an incentive because we all know employers are busy, but we really, really need this information. And so it, it, the survey will be completely anonymous. So we won't be able to track it back to the person or anything. So they could be as open and honest about their feelings as they can, because that's, we really need that information. We need to know if you're harboring, you know, some negative connotations to hiring people with autism, because we want to help you correct that or change that. Um, yeah, so we will be collecting the surveys. Fingers crossed, the surveys will go out end of October and we'll collect data until we have the appropriate number of surveys that we need. Um, so that could go up through the end of the year. We have um, the academic year. We have a, enough funds for that. So, um, but it was the grant allowed me to also hire a grad student. So I'm getting another grad student to join me and I'm going to have to start a lab now because I've got several grad students roaming around here. So we got to do something uh, to really start in like building my building my career here at UMSL because mm -hmm. it's been a kind of funky two years. <laughs> yes, yes. Funky for all of us, for sure. So uh, so the survey results, once all is said and done, do you see this as a resource for um, not just employers, but I would guess the high school programs that have their essential skills program that are designed to provide the skills for the kids. So when they graduate from high school, they're ready to be, they're, they're employable. Um, where do you anticipate sharing this information and the data you generate from the survey? Um, you're spot on. I want to share it with employers. I want to share it with um, high school transition specialists, high school teachers. I also want to reach out to um, policymakers, because they also can have an impact on our laws that we have that, that um, deal with uh, employment for people with disabilities as well. So sending it out in journals, perhaps writing some white papers to be able to, you know, get the word out that this is what we're seeing. This is where we need to focus on. This is how we can start the conversation about really employing people with autism um, and intellectual disabilities in the in the in the real world. It's fantastic. Uh, you're doing some incredible work, uh, Dr. Athamana. It's just amazing to see, and and uh, I love the way I, I get spoiled because I talk about Umsal all the time. But I love the way yeah. that we just aren't a place to give people degrees. We're a way to really impact the community impact kids' lives. And this is a perfect example. I mean, the Succeed program, the Social Peers program, the information you're going to be generating from the statewide employer survey is just going to do nothing but benefit everyone. Um, so I commend you for your work. It's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I'm, a, if I'm a, a, an undergraduate or maybe even a graduate uh, student um, thinking about wanting to get involved in a career in special education, um, what does UMPSL offer? What, what do we have available to someone wanting to, uh, to uh, pursue a lifelong career in that field? For sure. So what's unique about UMPSL's uh, education programs is that you don't just get trained as a general educator. You get training to be either a special educator or TESOL, which is 
uh, English as a second language. I'm not positive what all of those letters mean. Um, but that's a very unique experience because a lot of people who go and do their undergrads in general education don't get that information about special education, special education um, and the students that we service. Um, and so it provides them with a wealth of knowledge that they may never have been able to have access to. And sometimes one of the main issues that I, and I was always talking about to general educators when I was working in the school system, you know, working with them, they'd always say, you know, I, I don't have this information. I don't, I don't know how to work with kids with disabilities, how to differentiate my instruction, et cetera. Um, and so I would work with them like this is this is what we need to do. This is this is the information. Here you go. Let's talk about it. Let's see what we can implement together. Um, and I think also really the education program here really emphasizes that with our with the classes that I teach and my colleagues teach. We really emphasize inclusion and making sure that everybody is included in the in the classroom and we're not going to let you out on your own. Here are some strategies that you can use as a general educator or if you want to become a special educator, definitely talk to us, you know, reach out, see, we'll always sit there and we'll always talk with you about what the opportunities are. There's always a need for special educators across the U.S. I don't think there's ever been enough. <laughs> so we always need them. Um, but it's really a, a great way here to be able to get a wealth of information and understand teaching a little bit more and really understand where your teaching philosophy might come from and that it's all connected. It's not just general ed and special ed. We're all connected and we all can learn from one another. And so I think UMSO's program really, really highlights that. And, and the work you're doing is very evidence of that. So I, I appreciate you and your hard work. And um, I always said that the, the special education department and special education teachers service the kids that need us the most by far. Yeah. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a great career. I encourage anyone who's interested in a career as a special educator whether you're an undergraduate student getting a bachelor's degree for the first time or a graduate student uh, out there in the teaching world wanting to get that specialization to pursue that highly and certainly uh, reach out to us here at UMSL. Uh, I, think, I think the conversation today is evidence that you won't find a best, better program to get involved in uh, than the one we have here at UMSL. So Dr. Athamana, thank you so much for being here and thank you for your work to impact the lives of kids. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. It's been, it's been my pleasure. I am honored that you chose to join me today for the University of Missouri St. Louis College of Education podcast. I hope you'll join me next time. Till then, I'm David Stouffer. Thank you for the work you do. Never forget, you are making a difference every day. <laughs>